This is the Richfield Branch Library Podcast, a conversational podcast about what we are reading as well as what is happening at the library and in Richfield, Ohio. You'll be listening to Jen, Christina, and Mike. We all work at the Richfield Branch Library, which is part of the Akron Summit County Public Library System. As a result of our work, we come across a lot of unique books that our patrons request or return. Bestsellers dominate what comes across our desks for sure, but we also see manuscripts and plays, short story collections, how-to books about topics we've never heard of or never thought about doing ourselves, low-profile fiction authors, and nonfiction subjects that drill deep into Dewey's subclassification system. And we also have our own unique interests. We three tend to order a lot of books about various topics and genres. Rarely do we overlap books. But do note we are also very realistic. The books we read ourselves can sometimes turn out to be duds, (laughs) and we will surely share our disappointments (laughs) with those. But being true book lovers, we found that we are often talking to each other about these fascinatingly weird or frustratingly disappointing or truly wonderful and interesting books. And we wanted to share those sorts of conversations with you. So allow us to introduce ourselves. You've been hearing the voice of Jen. I'm the manager and team librarian here at the Richfield Branch Library. I've been in libraries since I was 15. I read a lot of teen books, but lately I've been reading a lot of nonfiction books, especially business books, museum books, library profession books. So that's what I read. Christina? I'm Christina. I uh, work here at the Richfield Library. I have worked in the library system since I was in high school. And, um, and I love reading. I love big art books and like coffee table books. <laughs> we have some really stunning show-stopping books. And I, so I, I love looking at those. Um, I have traditionally loved fiction. I had been reading a lot of nonfiction, it seems like, the last couple years. But I'm turning back to fiction now, which has been a welcome escape. That's a relief. Hi, I'm Mike Daly, the uh, adult services uh, librarian here at Richfield. I've been here at Richfield uh, since 2015. Before that, I was at the Maple Valley uh, Library. Um, I have uh, three different book clubs, and and the makeup of them are is completely different. So I read a lot of. Uh, uh, Nonfiction for our Kiwanis book club, a lot of uh, literary fiction, and serious nonfiction for our, our Richfield Readers book club, and we also have a mystery book club, which, uh, given my preference, uh, that's probably what I would read on my own. So, wow! See, we rarely do overlap. So first, let's talk about what's going on in Richfield. It was just snowing a minute ago. It's been quite beautiful out there. Let's see, our kids are still are in school. No one here is virtual. We just had a snowflake festival this past Saturday. Uh, we had to do that virtually. I, was, I found it interesting that all the years we have done this, we've had an ice carver and the year we couldn't have an ice carver, it was, of course, 30 degrees 
perfect weather for an ice carving, whereas in the last couple years, it's been 50 the day that we've had an ice carver out here, and the block of ice melts like butter before they even touch it. So that's some things that are happening here at the Richfield Branch Library. Well, I don't know, do I spin, do I spin a wheel? Who wants to go first and talk about their book? Oh, I, well, it's facing me. So. Okay, there you go. That's the easiest way. <laughs> okay, the, the first book I want to talk about is our next read for um, for March uh, for our Richfield Readers Book Club, and it's uh, it's Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Uh, Trevor Noah, most people know him as the uh, the man that replaced John Stewart on the on the Daily Show, but. Uh, he is. He had a, a very interesting early life, and uh, his, like I said, his bio, autobiography is called "Born a Crime" because when he was born to mixed parents, his uh, father was Swiss and his mother was African in South uh, Africa. It was illegal for uh, for the races to intermix. Whoa. So uh, he talks about his life going back and forth between the two worlds. He didn't spend a lot of time with his uh, father, but his, uh, his mother's family was in Soweto, the uh, township. And he talks about uh, trying to navigate uh, between the Africans and the whites there. Uh, and it, it really is kind of un unbelievable, some of his exploits. Uh, I actually listened to the book, which was really, uh, really interesting because he speaks not only uh, Afrikaans, English, and three uh, African dialects, and he switches back and forth. And because he is a comedian, uh, there's a lot of humor, a lot of a dark humor at the time. But uh, I really recommend it, and it was named last year one of the best books by uh, just everybody, uh, New York Times, USA Today, Time Magazine, NPR, <coughs> Esquire Magazine. So uh, it, it is a, a short book too, uh, and uh, I recommend it to, to anybody that, that's interested in um, uh, South Africa. What, Mike, what made you pick it up? Like, how did you hear about this? Uh, well, I usually read uh, reviews of you know the bestsellers and the, the the best books, and I will compile a list of those for our members of our book club, and we usually have a vote, uh, you know, oh like October, November of what we're going to read for the next year. So uh, we always try and read. Uh, usually, it's like eight fiction, one classic and uh, like three nonfiction books during the year. Sometimes, depending on the votes, uh, we'll switch that up. But, uh, uh, and this year, this was one of, one of the, uh, the ones that were picked. Mike, you do a lot of listening. You listen to a lot of your books. Yeah, um, yeah I, I have like a 40-minute drive to work. <laughs> so, uh, and luckily, my car still has a CD player in it. So I can get through a book a week uh, that way. So I, I pretty much have to read um, three books a month for my book clubs. So that leaves me another week where I can read what I want to read. Because so. <laughs> I think books on CD, this sounds like it was a very rich 
like a very good way you can hear because he actually read it the author yeah, read, yeah, and yeah. I find Charnor those to be reads it and, if, and he's got the uh, he's got the comedian delivery too so he knows how uh, to, uh, to tell a story too um, some of it is is almost unbelievable when he when he's talking about it because uh, he's talking about his mother throwing him out of a, a, a moving car uh, when he was like eight years old and uh, and I, he was he was like a really bad kid too. <laughs> oh, those pre-eighties. You know, <laughs> uh, his parents and aunties chasing him down the street. You know, and he's jumping through backyards and that. So, but uh, he, he he did straighten his life out now. And I I just I was looking him up uh, online, and uh, Forbes magazine had him as the fourth highest paid comedian in the world. So, oh, uh, oh my. Uh, yeah, I know. So he has uh, really, I mean, and you wouldn't believe when you read this book that he turns out this way, too. It's just like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Who's the one that said yeah. the world is made of C students? Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Einstein. <laughs> and uh, the, the other book I want to talk about is part of our, our mystery book club. We're reading it. Uh, uh, in uh, June of this year, it's called Maisie Dobbs, and it's a series by Jacqueline Winspear. And w when I first looked at it, there, there's a lot of she's an English writer actually, and a, a lot of the uh, English women writers that it, it, it's historical in nature. It starts in 1929, and there's 16 books now. And, each one of them goes one year at a time. But she's uh, really a distinct character for, for some of the, the mysteries that I've read. She starts out, she's just the uh, daughter of a, um, a greengrocer in uh, East End of London. And she goes into service with a, um, with a wealthy family. But she's really bright in the um, she kind of ingratiates, ingratiates herself to the uh, the owners of this big mansion, and they wind up putting her through school. She becomes a nurse in World War uh, One and uh, gets injured. And uh, as she's recuperating, she winds up working for a family friend who is a criminalist. And he teaches her the tricks of the trade, and she becomes one of the first uh, women private detectives, investigators, and psychologists in the United Kingdom. So, wait, real, sorry, real quick, is this fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Oh, this, darn. this is for the Mystery Book Club. Darn. Uh, I was, well, I thought you picked a nonfiction so, mystery because um, this sounded fascinating. If it was I, true, I have, I have actually read like five of them so far. I've been reading them in, in order. The first one just kind of gives her background. There is a case that she winds up solving, but it's uh, more of uh, the background, the story about Maisie herself, and the rest of them are all just real. True. In fact, there's, there's always at least two mysteries in each book, so uh, it keeps guessing. And if you, if you enjoy um, uh, life in London, this would, is between the two wars uh, there. And it's a really unique uh, uh, perspective on English life during the uh, late 20s and uh, in the 30s before the Second World War. So that's it for me. I'm going to turn this over to Christina, and she'll tell you about her books. 
All right, well, I um, just finished um, a book called Red Pill by Hari Kunzru. Oh. And it was <laughs> for, I like, I read it at exactly the right time because I needed a little bit of an escape around between the election and the... Um, <laughs> cleanse the palate. Uh, well, I mean, palate. like, I couldn't... <laughs> It would no, not really at oh. all. <laughs> it was a way to avoid reading um, minute by minute accounts. But I was kind of thinking about those ideas, and so I needed to keep thinking about those ideas. I felt, I don't know, that like pressure, like you can't look away, but almost like like if you were looking at a car crash and you're like, I'm gonna just like focus on this one piece of debris over here because <laughs> I can't look right at the center of it. <laughs> it's so horrifying. Um, so. Um, but what I loved about this book is he's t he talks about uh, these philosophical ideas, and it would have the potential to be an incredibly dry, almost like historical book, because he's exploring like European social, uh, democratic socialism and European fascism. Um, but he writes it as a thriller. It's this like suspense thriller. He has this American writer who just wants to get away and you know the sort of naive character who just thinks oh Europe that sounds like a lovely getaway and has done no research whatsoever on where his fellowship is or like so he just lands and thinks he's going to exist for eight weeks in his own little bubble and everyone he meets it's like they have this whole own history going on obviously <laughs> and um, he just kind of keeps butting up against that. So the whole first half of the novel just explores um, a lot of the remnants of like surveillance mm. and um, this idea of openness and being contingent sort of on this constant need to perform your identity <laughs> if you're when you're being watched. <laughs> and then but then he kind of, you know, takes a sharp left and meets, these people that this filmmaker and <laughs> he's intrigued with this man's work and then realizes that he's like a neo-nazi basically <laughs> so he just keeps kind of he veers from from one direction to the next <laughs> and is the setting contemporary yes okay. so yeah. wait, is this fiction or non-fiction so this is fiction oh darn these books sound like they would make great non-fiction <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is funny. Yeah, they're like dealing with with nonfiction ideas, but in a fiction environment, so you have a little bit of room to play. But yeah, so I don't, there, there were definitely things about it that I were, was frustrated with, or like, um, like sometimes when he would use very modern phrases, like I liked when he was talking about Europe <laughs> more than when he'd start connecting it back to like, you know, if, if the Americans thinking of like hashtags or like you know, like red pilling is a, a concept that it's referring to the Matrix, but you know, like we're talking about it now in a context that's like, uh, it just makes you want to throw up a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it, really, what's so fascinating about history is this idea of you know, it's almost presented to you as like safe, and there's something about like even news writing that is like the process of making something contemporary and open-ended like safe and historical mm -hmm. it's like almost the first step in making it a textbook and so 
it, oh. it was really interesting to see like this stuff, all of this European history stuff that I feel like a lot of America doesn't want to deal with just how involved and invested in a lot of those dynamics we were and still are. Um, and just sort of, I don't know, this American character who thinks that they're not a part of it huh. and suddenly realizing they're at the center of it and then trying to get out and what that looks like. And so I don't know, it was, a, it was really interesting and it was just really perfect timing. How did you even stumble across this? Where did it? Um, I think that he's a writer for um, N Plus One, which is a literary magazine. Okay. And um, I really love the cover. Okay, I see. I'm a very visual person, and I very <laughs> much judge books by their cover. I do, too. I'm, I'm one of those where if I start a book that's good and I find an edition with a better cover, I want to switch. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes Publishers I have been known to just not pick up books that I even was enjoying because I just I can't with the cover. Oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Wrap it in a brown paper it's bag. So, I always I feel very shallow about it, but... It's true. And then I've, and I've read books where I'm like, this is not a good book, but I just love the cover so much. I'll oh, keep it, picking it up. Huh. Wow. <laughs> so you probably wouldn't like uh, the ones from the rummage sale that have the, uh, yeah, the no. covers. Oh, oh no. yeah. Uh, I have a hard uh, time uh, with those. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, was, what was that series, that like a uh, Neapolitan series? It, Ella Ferrante? Oh, yeah, um, my beautiful friend. Yes. yes uh, I heard such wonderful things, and it sounded so fantastic, and I couldn't bring myself to do it because I hated the, the cover. cover? Yeah. Which, and I had, like... It's really boring. Mm. All, all the covers are really boring. They're awful, and it's That's deliberate. It. Like, and I read the NPR thing about why the cover what? design Gee. and what it's referencing, and I just I still can't do it. Wow. Isn't that awful? I think that's interesting, though, that they talked about the cover. <laughs> NPR made a... <laughs> Yeah, they made this what? whole thing about like, oh, the covers are referencing. Yeah, and I'm just like, uh, I well, I can't do it. But it, it's a wonderful story, though. I'll read it in 20 years when they re-release it with a new cover. What? You listen to it. Oh, that's so you interesting. Listen to it. That's a great. That's a great idea. I should get the audiobook of it. Well, no, we both have to watch the cover <laughs> of the audiobook. What's that? You, you have know, to watch just the cover. Yeah, just hide. Yeah. There, yeah, there you go. Throw it's the a thumbnail. CD. It's easier throw, to hide than. Throw the case in the back trunk uh, and. Uh, uh, that's a, a funny I mean, thing that has changed for case. me lately. Is I could not listen to audiobooks until the pandemic. All of oh, a sudden now I can. Because I, I could, because for a while I couldn't read. I was like yeah. way too nervous, and I couldn't read, and that was I couldn't so get frustrating. Books. And audiobooks were my way back in. I found yeah, I, I could like listen to them and just have them on. Now I can't listen again. I agree. I couldn't get my hands on books when, during the shutdown, so I did start listening. That's funny. I'm like, oh, now I know Mike's world. <laughs> and then, because I can't listen, I get distracted. Yeah. You know, if you put a book on <laughs> CD or a podcast in my car, I'll land up in like North. Philly somewhere because I got distracted and <laughs> missed my exits and landed up on the turnpike and away I went. Well, I, I started when they were cassettes. So, you know, so we're talking about well, that was tape. the new technology. And it was so frustrating if it was a long book, you know, there's like 20 of them. And of course, your cassette player would eat the, the 17th <laughs> <laughs> cassette, you know, and you, you can't finish it, you know, so, but 
<laughs> yeah, we've been uh, libraries. Uh, uh, used to have, you know, all their audio books were on cassette, and it, mm-hmm. it took up so much yeah. room because they were so fat, you know. Yeah. Uh, we've been able to save a little space by doing that, so. Huh. Interesting. All right, so we have to get the book on CD for you for that one. <laughs> for, for the, uh, <laughs> for the for what was it? Friend. My brilliant yeah. friend, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you finish it, or you're in the middle? Did you finish uh, that Red one? Pill? Yeah. Yeah, I, I finished You've it. You've done it? Yeah. I finished it. So, yeah, and it ends right before the 2016 election. Um, oh, I thought you meant this election. Sorry. N- no. So, oh. so the timing of this for me, and, you know, and that's kind of the idea is this guy goes to Europe and comes back and realizes things aren't what we're acting like they are here, which is definitely Oh, you know, all right, that changes like everything. All right, that changes. So his bubble has burst really before the rest huh. of his family. So he comes back and is sort of like an unsure footing and they're all very confident that things are going one way and he's like, oh no. Oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh all right, that changes the whole, so, I get it. Yeah, so the mood was really interesting because he basically had a 2020 mood in 2016, huh. the character. So it was it was interesting to read right now. I, do, I liked the the pacing of it and the suspense. He's just like very paranoid, especially at the beginning because of the surveillance component. He just he he's just convinced that he's being watched and and so I don't know. I I really appreciated that because I felt like that you could easily get bogged down with some of the ideas. So. So it's a, it's a weird one, but oh, I'm not yeah. as See, always. Under the I'm radar. not sure I could exactly recommend it to someone, but I, <laughs> in a traditional book recommendation, I'm like, I have no idea if you would like this. <laughs> but someone, yeah, <laughs> if you're in the mood, if you're feeling real paranoid and in the mood to explore. <laughs> is, the, is the author American? Yeah. Huh. Just. A... My, I, I, I'm not sure if he's English or. American. I think he's American. Huh. All right. Well, I'm going to bring up, um, wow, we have truly went around the globe with, with different books today. This is nonfiction. This fell under business. I don't know how I discovered Notes from a Public Typewriter is the title of my book. It's by... Oliver Uberte, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, Again, I tend to go looking for one type of book. Um, I think my search was on, you know, how to see the city, how to be an observer. Um, There's a a conference where I'm researching the theme, and the theme is curiosity, how to be curious. And somehow this, I think, showed up on my Goodreads, and of course, I went down the rabbit hole and I ordered everything, and, and this was one of them, and it came rather fast on the holds. Um, so again, it's called Notes from a Public Typewriter. So Oliver owns a bookstore in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he set up, decided one day to set out his typewriter with blank sheets of paper, and within minutes, you could hear the clickety-clack of the typewriter. I think his intent from what I remember was he was hoping someone might start a novel or he would create some sort of story, kind of like those folder stories where someone starts, it was a dark and stormy light night, Mike shows up and types something and then you show up. But it, it ended up being these quotes 
these words of wisdom, these random. Mm, that's cool. One was a love note to mommy. I mean, and so he collected them and he, some of them he posts. Um, and, and then something else started to happen where people started bringing him their typewriters, either to fix <laughs> or, or to put more out on display because they couldn't throw out a typewriter. And I thought that was fascinating. So he's like, after a while, I just had a typewriter display. Now I cannot take one more typewriter, unless it's a, unless it's a fascinating, vintage, beautiful typewriter. I would take, you know, I would take that. But he said, for the most part, you know, it turned into a typewriter collection. But some of the quotes, these are some of my favorites. Um, why does this thing have a hashtag symbol they didn't have Twitter. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hashtag oh, no. weird. <laughs> um, and I love this one. So much more effort and no delete key. Kind of how life used to be. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. Well-loved books always look unkempt. This does not seem to be true of people. And yeah, and then maybe one day we will write enough books and read enough words to understand each other. I love that one. So one thing I loved about this book is it was just the right, it's just the right size. In fact, it, it's perfect. He wants you wanting more. It's only like 150 pages. Hmm. And I think he hit just the right, if it was, more, if it was a huge volume, I probably would have lost interest. It probably would have gotten somewhat repetitive. But it was just the right amount that I want volume two and I want volume three. But I don't know if you all recall, back in the teen area, we used to have a, we used to have a typewriter. We used our old typewriter that we've had to write up labels and whatnot. And you couldn't get a lot of the parts. I don't think we could even get a ribbon anymore. But we oh. threw it out in the teen area and said, you know, until the ribbon dies, have at it and the teens would write notes and clever little things like this out in the teen area they were fascinated with it as well um, but then I think little fingers got to it and then that was the end of our typewriter but I have this fascinating idea do I put a call out <laughs> and say if you have a typewriter please drop it off at the Richfield library and maybe I'll start this up again Right. Yeah. Not, I mean, not I, right. No, that I, yeah. that was the part I immediately connected with when you were talking about. <laughs> he had one typewriter, and so now everyone was giving him typewriters. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> I had a call actually the other day that somebody asked if we had a typewriter uh. they could use here. So, and I had no idea where you could find a typewriter for public use anymore, <sighs> especially during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we can buy one. I think they're cheap. Like the record yeah. player. We ended up buying a record player. Yeah. We got a call for that the other day. Someone wanted to listen to records, and she was stunned. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we, we do love to collect the old. And it's funny how, how much people do want old like a typewriter or a record player and that is probably exactly who I would call first if I thought who might still have yeah. a record player yeah who might still yeah. have a typewriter yeah put a call out the worst that happens is we end up with too many typewriters, typewriters. and maybe we can salvage them for parts or something if and I can do an exhibit or like a display you know display like maybe of... we get one that has a working ribbon and one that has and we're able to piece together something that works yeah 
Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I don't know when. As soon as we kind of get through the thick of this, I think I'm gonna do that. So that was my book, my book. Notes from a public Talk about writer. fun covers. I love the cover Oh yeah, that. the cover. It's bright red and it has like little like typewritten strips as though they had been cut out and then like taped. And the end paper. And like collaged. Yeah, the end paper is lovely as well. End paper. And I think the ones, the one he had out on the floor, like sometimes the, uh, it didn't advance so the keys kind of got stuck and that it gave it so much character. Oh, and then what he did is he commissioned, sorry, real quick, he commissioned a local artist to paint the side of, of his building, which was on a corner, and they selected some of the quotes in here, oh, and they look, cool. oh, it looks like someone literally had a giant typewriter and put this across the side of the building, and it, now it becomes a focal point, a picture-taking part of Ann Arbor, and I thought, how clever. I just, I just oh, love that. Ann how Arbor. clever. How, how clever to be a place-making place where people hang out for other reasons you know just how, how what a community I don't know it's just very warming just yeah. warms me up <laughs> all right those are our book books for this episode let's uh, wrap it up um, so let's talk about a let's review what did we read and what's up next what are anyone want to reveal what they have coming up next Mike, you started us off. Let's review and what's on the what's on the agenda for next time. Uh, okay. Um, first, I wanted to tell everybody that we do. Uh, I do uh, order copies of all the books for our our book clubs, and they're here available at the library. You can just come in and ask for them. And Christina was nice enough to make me up bookmarks that have all the titles for this year on them, so you can grab that and keep up with it. Um, and so uh, next time we're going to be talking about uh, our um, April book, which is Dutch House by Ann Patchett, and the um, the mystery I'm going to be talking about is Miracle Creek by uh, Angie Kim. So good, good, Christine. All right. Today I talked about Red Pill by Hari Kunzru. And uh, next time I'm going to talk about um, The Lathe of Heaven by Ursula K. Le Guin. And I'm Jen, and I reviewed Notes from a Public Typewriter. Um, I think I'm going to talk about The Walk book. It comes with a CD. It's by Janet Cardiff. She's a, uh, I guess you would call her uh, an immersive participatory artist but anyway I think I'm going to talk about her I have so much I have I this is really hard to pick just one but that's all we have for you today thank you for joining the Richfield Library podcast a conversational podcast about what we're reading the Richfield Branch Library podcast is recorded in beautiful Richfield Ohio uh, the Richfield Branch Library is a branch of the Akron Summit County Public Library. Our theme music is by an artist named Scan Globe and is available with a Creative Commons license uh, through the Free Music Archive. <laughs>